so many times we think because there's money is not involved, we don't need papers, but you really should because it's just even the expectation from one another. So it might not be all this legal jargon and all these scary things, but it's what's the expectation of you and me and what is the communication going to look like? What are the boundaries going to look like? When is overstepping? So I definitely going back would have said put contracts in place. Welcome to Hiring School, a weekly podcast about recruiting for non-recruiters. I'm Jackie Koch, and I have over 15 years of experience prospecting talent and building teams for Fortune 500 companies, startups, and small businesses in all different types of industries. I'm the founder and CEO of People Principles, where I help founders scale and lead their teams with programs, courses, and boutique agency services. My goal is to simplify the hiring and team building process so that you, founders and not so solopreneurs, can implement modern, effective and efficient hiring strategies that help you build the team that you want to help you scale. If you can't seem to find the right job candidates or simply don't know where to start, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Welcome to Hiring School, the podcast all about recruiting for non-recruiters. Today, we have a special guest who is an entrepreneur who inspires me daily, someone I admire and had been really following kind of from the outskirts. And I happened to convince her to become friends with me now that we both live in Phoenix. Her name is Jess Glazer-DeRose. Jess is a former celebrity personal trainer and elementary school teacher. She turned her once cute side hustle, you can't see air quotes, but they're there, into a multi-million dollar business in under two years. Since leaving her elementary school teaching job in 2017, she has hired an incredible team to help scale her impact, and they have coached tons of clients to seeing tons of success, which you're going to hear about in this episode. I asked her to join me on the show today because watching her transition from a true solopreneur to the visionary leader in her business has been so inspiring. And it's just so inspiring to watch her lead and not get pulled into the weeds. And so that's what we talk about in this episode. We talk about why setting up systems before you hire is so critical and how to truly delegate as a leader and to make sure that you stop being the bottleneck. And we dig into that quite a bit, how entrepreneurs and the CEO or leader of the business oftentimes is the bottleneck. So we talk about how to stop doing that And as well as how mindset is usually the root cause of why entrepreneurs wait too long to hire. And I bet a lot of you are like, oh, it's a money mindset. It's not. So tune in to hear more about what that mindset is and and what you can do to shift it. So you can follow Jess on Instagram at I am Jessica DeRose, I-A-M-J-E-S-S-I-C-A-D-E-R-O-S-E to keep up what's coming up next for her in her business. And they're hosting a free mastermind coming up. So follow her to get all the deets on that. So now let's dive in. Hi, Jess. Welcome to Hiring School. Thanks for being on the show. Jackie, this is so fun. I love that we get to do business together. I don't even know if this is business. Does this work? I mean, technically, I think it's marketing, which I'm here for it. It's way better than writing blog posts, which I know you know all about. Oh my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> many years ago. My one reader, my mom. Oh, that's hilarious. You probably had two. I'm sure Mike read something somewhere. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And it's been so fun to watch your business and entrepreneurship journey change over the years. So you grow a team and now coaching other people to do the same. And so I'm so excited to dig in and offer listeners a little bit of an insider view into your journey, as well as things you've learned and tips and and all of that jazz. So let's start with telling the listeners, can you just give like quick elevator story of your background and experience? I'm Jess Desiderios. I'm a CVO, Visionary Officer and Founder of Digital Business Evolution. I'm a business mentor and coach. Previously, I worked as a personal trainer for 18 years. I was also an elementary school teacher for eight years. Had a lot of other pivots in there too, fashion industry, physical therapy, but we don't even, we don't even talk about those things. I basically built up what I had once as a cute side hustle to a multiple six and then multiple seven figure business over the last few years. And all of my friends in the fitness industry were asking me how. So 2017, I left my job as a teacher, went all in on entrepreneurship, have continued to scale the company, like you said. And now we have an incredible team that I'm so, so proud to have. We've got 12 coaches on staff and then four of us on our executive leadership team. I have no idea what I'm doing. I like to learn as I go. And yeah, we help people build digital businesses. We specialize in course creation. I think being a teacher, I'm very good at building curriculums. We work with people in all different industries and everything is through organic marketing using social media and email marketing as well as text marketing. Our clients have generated over $11 million in the last three years. We've helped create nine millionaires in the last three years. And we've been able to build a school in Ghana, Africa with Pencils of Promise, which is so cool. Whoa, that's a lot in there. That, and also you did that in record time. I'm really impressed. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we hit our first million in under a year and a half. When I went all in, I mean, I've been doing online coaching since 2012. So that's 10 years, you know, like it's it just changed. It went from eBooks and low ticket programs and paid Facebook groups to higher ticket programs and masterminds and so on and so forth. And we did live in the RV for 14 months, which was crazy. Oh my gosh. We could dig into how you manage and delegate when you're off the grid too. Off the grid crying with no Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> totally. Well, okay. So I'm going to take it back before we dig into what it's like as a business owner building on a team. Obviously you mentioned some other jobs that you've had in your life. Do you remember what it was like interviewing for jobs when you were in the workforce? And do you have any funny stories about being on the other side and going to interviews? You know, it's so interesting because I don't feel like I ever had the corporate experience. So I was always a personal trainer. I was always a gymnastics coach. And those two things never really required interviews. And then when I went into teaching, I didn't really have interviews there either. There was, I guess there were a couple interviews, but it was more lesson plans. So they would have you come in and do like a fake teaching lesson to the real classroom and the principal would come in and take notes and watch you. So I never really sat down for any formal interviews, which is really interesting. Those were my only like real jobs before being my own boss. Yeah. Well, that's lucky for you or not lucky for you, I guess. I'm waitressing and bartending, I guess. I didn't really have any real interviews there either. Well, I think I did have to interview for my first hosting job in a restaurant because they were just opening up the restaurant. And I remember like interviewing as like a, I don't know, I think I was 16 or something, but well, then you definitely have been learning as you go. I'm excited to dig into that a little bit. So 
we talked a little bit about how your like entrepreneurial journey over time has changed. I'd love to know, like, at what point did you realize you needed help? When did you realize you needed to bring in help to run your businesses? Yeah, I love this question because I think the answer is so commonplace across the board. It was when I was already crumbling, already burnt out, already crying, already frustrated, right? And I, I wish I wish it wasn't because it would have been so much easier had I hired sooner. However, for me, I don't learn lessons until they're like whacking me upside the head. So there were definitely indicators and markers throughout my journey that were like huge red flags. It's time to hire, it's time to hire. But like so many solopreneurs, so many entrepreneurs, I thought I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't have enough revenue coming in. I don't have time. This was my biggest thing. I don't have time to hire somebody right now. I know I need to, but I literally don't have time to train somebody. I don't have time to figure it out. I've never done it before. And so it wasn't really a, a moment that I decided, okay, it's time to hire. I can't keep doing this alone. It many, many, many times over for me was grasping at straws and sort of taking the first thing that would come along, which is not the best thing to do, or take the first person that would say, I'm willing to help you again, not the best thing to do. And so my first few hires, even when they were just barters, my first few hires were really out of desperation and need. And I was drowning rather than setting myself up for where I wanted to go. So they didn't work out shockingly. Shocking. (laughs) Well, talk a little bit about bartering. How did you do that? I think that's something that as an entrepreneur, you forget that is an option even. So how did you even think about doing that? And how did you set those up? Sure. So for me, I'm a coach. And so I run a coaching business. It's it's service-based. And so there are a lot of people in my world who, well, they're all coaches or aspiring coaches. So it was very natural for me. The first few hires I had over the first few years were other coaches helping me navigate, whether it was call schedules or Facebook group comments or just customer service and support. So it was really organic and natural to have people that were in my group, in my container, who maybe I already knew like and trusted, or maybe we had a relationship previously, or they were a shining star, or they offered. And so, you know, they sort of took the job, if you will, where they were very much an ambassador. So I inserted them and then would do a swap for coaching, whether that was giving them more coaching for free or additional coaching. And at the beginning, I even did a swap. I did a barter for coaching with a PR agency where they were looking to build out their program and their kind of PR agency. And so they did some work for me, helping get me into media and podcasts and stuff like that. So I just utilized my service and what I knew and my skill set, which was helping people build businesses. But the interesting thing too, if you are a coach and you're listening to this, especially like me, a business coach, what naturally happened was they started to have these light bulb moments of like, oh, if she's doing this, I could do this. She's teaching me all these things. I want to go do it by myself. So the first few people that I did take from within my programs left, right? They went on to go build their own thing, which is amazing. And I'm super, I'm okay with it. I'm very happy. That was the whole point. They came in to build their own business, but then of course they left. Would you recommend doing bartering as a way to to pay for your first few hires if you don't have the funds or revenue to pay for someone? Would you do that again, looking back? I would but I would do it in a slightly different capacity. So I would have had a contract in place, which I don't think at the beginning I had contracts at all. And I think so many times we think because there's money is not involved, we don't need papers. 
but you really should because it's just even the expectation from one another. So it might not be all this legal jargon and all these scary things, but it's what's the expectation of you and me and what is the communication going to look like? What are the boundaries going to look like? When is overstepping? So I definitely going back would have said put contracts in place and also things like having quarterly check-ins, which I didn't do. We just sort of, it was just an ongoing, you're going to keep helping me, right? And we never had that conversation of, we're continuing this relationship in this capacity. Yeah. Are we both cool with that? So most of those people that I had bartered with at the beginning, it would sort of fizzle out over time rather than taking a proactive approach of like, okay, I know this isn't a quote unquote real job because you're not getting paid, but let's treat it like a real job. Let's treat it like an internship and let's make sure we check in with each other and have different markers, whether that's monthly or quarterly or, or for me, our group program is three months long. So it would have made sense you know, at the end of every three months, let's touch base with each other. Yeah. And just have a real conversation about it for sure. So did you want to be a business owner that had people working for you? Like, was that your goal or did you just like fall into it? Did you ever think you would? No, no. You know, it's funny. I was in the fitness industry, like I said, for 18 years. And when I left teaching, I left for fitness. I had been in fitness at that point for about 14 years And so I left thinking I was going to be the next Jillian Michaels or Tone It Up or some fitness, Denise Sostin, right? Like some fitness influencer, mega brand. You're going to make a shake weight. I was going to make (laughs) Five Master (laughs) 1.0. I just just assumed that's where I was going, right? I went to school for my doctorate of physical therapy. I was always a coach. I was always a trainer. And so that was the path. And so when I left, I just assumed that was where I'm going to be. And I never thought of that personality having a team, which of course they do, but no, I never left my job. I never thought of being an entrepreneur. And I definitely never thought that I would have a team, nor did I ever think that I had the skill set to be a manager. I've always been a leader and I've always been a teacher and a coach, but I'm, I've not, I'm not a manager. That was going to be my, my next question. Like, there's so many entrepreneurs out there like you. They maybe don't hire a team because they don't think they're capable. Like they don't have the skills or they're not a manager. Like what advice? (laughs) (laughs) That was me. That was me. Was it a control thing? Oh, for a long time. I think it was a lot of ego. So I think the ego of look at me, I'm juggling all the balls by myself. And that makes me valuable. That makes me worthy. That makes me better than, right? Up until recently, I always... I won everything I've ever done, but not because I was good at everything. Rather, I only played games I could win because significance meant a lot to me. Awards, accolades, significance meant a lot to me. And so I would win at anything, at any cost. I'd make myself sick. I'd go through burnout. I lost relationships, like years and years and years of this. And then I'm 38 now. So I guess, I don't know, four or five years ago, I started learning that, I mean, I probably learned it earlier, but I started listening to what I was learning that losing is actually an opportunity for me to grow. And I've become obsessed now with losing because it's like, every time I lose, I learn something. And then that actually propels me ahead even further. So to answer your question, I think for a lot of, I think a lot of solopreneurs, I think a lot of humans in general, ego gets in the way. And I thought I could do everything by myself. I thrived on being this perfectionist. It was part of my identity. Let me win. Let me, let me struggle. Like there was like, it was supposed to be hard. The harder it was, the better I was doing. And so giving up control for different tasks and also being able to admit, wow, that person actually does that thing better than I do or faster than I do. 
there was a transition period for me. That was hard. Now I'm like, oh, she's way better at it. He is way faster at it. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I never really thought about it from that. The majority of the people that I speak with often I feel like are scared to hire because they don't know what to do or they actually don't feel like they're a strong enough leader. But I wonder if it's deeper than that. And it is a lot more of the fear of control. I guess with some of the folks that you coach, are there other reasons that you think come up to why they don't hire people or fears like that are not just like ego driven? Yeah, it's interesting. I think if I were to come up with a list of things, giving up control, a lot of times we feel at the beginning, our business is our baby, which I, again, I used to say that. And now I'm like, gosh, no, no, it's not. It's not my baby. It's literally, it's my business. It's my income. And I'm detached from that. It doesn't depend on me. I don't want it to actually, I want to build a machine that doesn't depend on me. So my business is not my baby. It's just, it's my job. So I think there's a lot of, but I've built this. I've worked so hard. There's the control. There's the imposter. I think a lot of it, it's, I'm not there yet. I don't have enough revenue. I don't have enough. I don't need to. I don't have that many clients. I have just enough that I'm exhausted. But so, and then I think there's levels of, I don't know how to. And I think the biggest thing for our higher level entrepreneurs we work with is they don't have time. They literally are like, I don't have time to hire. I don't even have time to learn how to hire. And I definitely don't have time to onboard somebody. It's so cool to watch people become managers. And at the end of the day, it's just like any relationship. This was so eye-opening to me. I guess this is a little bit of a tangent to listeners. But when I started working at Lululemon, so I worked at Lululemon for like four years managing stores. And it was my first time back into more of like a HR people leadership role. And it was the first time where we were like blending the personal development stuff I was learning into leadership. And I was just like, wow, work is the best playground to implement the stuff you're learning. Because I feel like when you're in personal development, you're like, you're reading this book about how to handle conflict or I don't know, something. And you're like waiting for the perfect opportunity to use the tools. And then when you actually think about it, it's like every single moment of every day at work is the perfect time to practice it. I love that because it really is, I alluded earlier, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I I don't, I've learned through bringing the things that I'm learning into the company. And let me tell you, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've had to have a lot of really difficult conversations and I've been really disappointed in myself and the team and Mike, my husband is also on the team. And so it's been really interesting behind closed doors, having those conversations of how we're handling things. And I'm very fortunate he was in corporate for, you know, 13 years or whatever. And so, and he managed in corporate, that's what he did. So he'll coach me sometimes. And I've had to learn and practice how to be even open to that because it's hard enough working with your spouse and then to have them critiquing you. And when you've built this thing, right? I mean, I built a multiple seven figure company before I had any team members. And so there's that ego that comes up of like, okay, well, clearly I know something. It's like, yeah, but not about this. This is, I'm not an expert in leadership at all. And I think there's a really big difference. You know, you said the word leader before and I pictured, I'm very visual. So I pictured a leader, like a duck and all the little ducklings following. And I think a lot of times, especially in my world, coaching and social media, when we become the face of something, we become the leader. A lot of times our clients and our audience, they put us on this pedestal. 
And by them doing that, oh my God, this is your program changed my life. I love you. I've been following you forever. This is an amazing, whatever that might be, just even the follow button, the like button, right? All of those vanity metrics, it can start to disassociate you from the fact that leadership is actually being on the ground floor. Leadership is not standing at the top on the podium, like yelling down at your people. It's getting down on the floor and getting into the business. And there was a transition for me to even learn that not effective. Speaking of being in the business, in a lot of the programs, and I know you love talking about this and you've been putting so much great stuff about this on social lately is, you know, delegating and systems and processes. And a lot of times people don't hire because they don't have time. And just like they don't create processes because they don't have time. And so when you're working with your entrepreneurs that you work with, do you teach them to build processes and systems before they hire people? Yes. Now, because I'm on the other side, we implement it right away. So our starter baseline program that we bring people through empowers our signature program. And it's mostly starting coaches, beginning entrepreneurs. We're teaching them to implement systems immediately and their heads are spinning and they think I'm crazy. And to be honest, many of them will not go on to continue building their business. Like they'll give it a shot. They'll learn it's not really for them. So I have them doing it regardless because if I could go back, that is one thing I wouldn't do anything different, right? Because I wouldn't be here if I did. But if I could go back, I would have started doing these things earlier. And the reason that I didn't is because I didn't think that I had systems And so let's talk about that for a second. Systems don't have to be spreadsheets and fancy things. And I I have to give a shout out to Lauren, who is our integrator, which is this, she's the COO of the company. She's incredible at what she does. Lauren started with me over two years ago, two and a half years ago as an executive personal assistant, literally coming to my apartment in New York City, returning things to Forever 21, going to the post office. I mean, personal assistant. And when she started, she asked me about my systems. I was like, I don't have systems in the business. I'm alone. Everything's just in my brain. So she broke it down for me. She said, how do you like to fly? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, what's your preference on flying? I said, I don't have a preference. She's like, yeah, you do. You probably always pick a particular airline. You probably like to fly either in the morning, afternoon or night. Where do you like to sit? I'm like, whatever seat's available. She's like, no, you don't. You probably have a certain seat. And I started to think about it. I do. I like to sit in the aisle because I like to stand up a lot. And I don't want to bother people. And I always work on the plane. I'm an airplane worker. I love getting work done on the plane, but I'm a righty. So I like to have my elbow in the aisle because I'm on my laptop. So right then and there, she extracted from my brain, that is your system. That is your process. You just don't think of it as a process because you just do it. So when we started to work through this together, when she was my assistant, we started to, she spent the time with me. I'm so grateful to extract every process that I had, whether it was onboarding a client, sending donations to our charity that we do, setting up something on Canva, right? No matter what it was, she was like, you do have a system, you're just not aware of it. So to answer your question, what I do now is what I wish I did. We have our clients loom record everything they do. And when they're doing it, we have them voice over and explain why they're doing what they're doing. And that way, when someone comes onto the team or whether it's a VA, a part-time, a full-time, they can at least start there. At least start with this module of videos of me doing random things and see if you can sort of piecemeal together. And then you can turn it into a system if that's your specialty, which is what she did with me. What an easy way to do that. 
you know, like that's so brilliant. And I mean, I guess I kind of do some of that for clients, you know, when I'm implementing a system or something, but like, that's such a great tip. If you are listening to this and you don't have time to write down how to do everything, just start recording what you do. Yeah. Cause you're going to do it anyway. So you might as well record it, pop it into like a Google drive somewhere. We have a product in Kajabi. And now when our team comes on board, they do, they watch all those videos and that's where they best learn. And now here we are years later using platforms like monday.com or Trello, Asana, whatever, which as a visionary, so if you're listening and you haven't figured out yet, if you're a visionary or an integrator, read, uh, what is it? Rocket Fuel, I believe is the book. Or Traction. Traction. Yep, Traction. I'm a visionary. Spreadsheets make me want to puke. Like systems make me want to vomit. But to your point, I have been talking about systems and delegating a lot on social media. And the reason I am is because they've literally changed my life. They've changed the business. They've changed my life. They've given me the freedom and autonomy that I wanted when I became an entrepreneur. And it leads me to hiring, right? I'm building this course hiring school and similar to what you're doing in your, you know, programs. So the bulk of the work is before you even start talking to people to hire. And Although it's not, no, I would argue it's a system, right? Like they're mapping out what they're looking to hire for, the type of person they want to hire. They're mapping out their hiring plan. They're creating the interview questions. They're they're building out a hiring plan that's equitable and efficient and like actually truly like measures what they need to hire. And people who don't have time are like, don't want to do it but then you end up with shitty results, right? Just like you don't create systems, you don't get as good of results as as you could. And so, so much of business is like a little bit of planning and preparing, right? So I see that to be super similar for sure. And it's the exact same thing as sitting down to figure out your ideal client. What's the difference? Like we take the time to figure out our niche and ideal client and, you know, master our messaging. But then when it comes to team, we're like, I don't have time for that. Exactly. And then you do finally hire someone and you're like, oh my God, they don't know what they're doing. You're like, well, no shit. You didn't like, (laughs) you didn't help them. Didn't help them get there. When you're thinking about your hiring process, how has it changed over time? You know, like what did you do at the beginning when you're adding people to your team? And what do you do now when you're looking to add a team member to your team? Or what do you teach your clients to do? Well, now that we have a team and Mike is a part of the team and Lauren is such an integral part of the team, the decisions are no longer just mine. So we take it back to the executive team. There's another gal on the executive team as well, Amanda. So everyone has a say because everyone has a piece of the company. You know, they might not have equity, but they they really have full ownership over it and we're working together. So we're still a very small startup and we make our own rules, but we do, we bring it back to the team. We also have made sure, and I did not do this at the beginning, we could have the visual here is that we have different seats. There's different chairs in our organizational chart, right? So we are okay with having one person sitting in two different seats, but we are not okay with two people sitting in the same seat because that's when things will fall through the cracks, right? Or like- That's great advice. Yeah, step on each other's toes. There's no ownership. I messed up with that a lot at the beginning. How so? I, you know what I did? And I think a lot of, I think a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs do this. I, I, I don't even think, I know. I delegated my to-do list. So I just started like shoving things off of my to-do list onto the person who was there. Yep, that's what people do. Right. 
And so I just made them as busy as I was and no one had ownership over anything. And I was just adding new things to my to-do list. And so now we both just were busy doing a million different things, wearing a hundred different hats. And so it was getting really, really clear. And this was really difficult for me. It was getting really clear on who belongs in what seat, what is the role of that seat, being really honest with it too. Because sometimes people think that they want to be in a different seat or I maybe thought that I should be in a different seat. And then being able to like surrender and detach from that and then stay in your seat where I think for business owners, it's really hard to not reach over and be like, wait, how's everything going over there? And micro, you know, not micromanaging, but literally getting in the way and still not fully giving up. Lauren will laugh if she's listening to this because giving up my calendar was like the last thing I still haven't hundred percent done. And she's like, you're in my way. Like you're the bottleneck. When we go to try to schedule a podcast, respectfully, I'm the bottleneck. And she's right. I am because I'm like, but I just still hold on, wait, let me. Right. So it's totally surrendering and giving that up. But yeah, I think a huge mistake that I made was just passing off different tasks rather than figuring out what that person's really good at. So then switching gears on again, but leads me to a question of how do you keep on tabs on what your team is doing and making sure they're doing a good job without micromanaging? Like what things do you do to like make sure that the team is running efficiently or holding them accountable for things without checking in every day if they accomplish X five things on the list or whatever? I don't know if you'll like this answer. <laughs> I might, I don't know. Being people person. So I, that is not my job, actually. I'm not the CEO. So it's not my job to oversee that stuff. I'm the visionary, I'm the founder, I'm the face of it, and I'm the coach. I tell us where I want to go. I tell the team where I want to go. They figure out how to make it go and they figure out how and where and when and what tools we need. So Lauren actually is the, she's the manager of the people. She's the manager of the projects and she's the manager of the timeline. We have some small things in place where we have some people on our executive team. They do daily huddles in Slack so that I'm aware of what's going on, but I'm not involved in it. Every team member also has an individual meeting each week with Lauren, as well as our regular team meeting, but everybody connects with her individually, including myself. And she'll kind of, she's the gatekeeper really. So everything will come through her. And that has been really interesting because she's had to take full ownership of that role. Even little things like if an email that gets written comes back to her, and then it comes to me for a final stamp of approval, if there's a mistake on that email, she actually has to take responsibility for that mistake coming to me, whether or not she wrote the email or she's the one in Kajabi, it doesn't matter. So it's interesting by giving her, giving everyone on the team complete ownership over their role. Yes, sometimes it could feel difficult and heavy and it kind of sucks. But at the same time, that's the stuff that's allowing them to completely flourish. And they're doing things that I don't even know about until it's come to the fruition or they'll handle stuff behind the scenes that I never know about. And I only will ever find out because I'm married to Mike and he'll like, tell me about it. So I'm really not managing them. I'm not, but we do have quarterly check-ins we have our yearly reviews. She and I connect and the different team members connect individually during the week, short little phone calls and stuff like that. We've got our team meetings. We have all of our metrics, which we are very strict about. So we keep all of our metrics tabbed out. And then every person on the team has got a system through monday.com, which I'm not in. Well, I don't know why you think I would be mad about that answer. I feel like that is a dream, <laughs> how you manage the team. So kudos to you guys for setting all of that up. Then how did you shift your mindset to release that? That has to have been so hard. What work did you do to like 
allow yourself to trust that your team was doing the work and step away from it. Because I think that is what so many founders and entrepreneurs struggle with is they don't trust that it's getting done and they wonder where their money is. Why am I paying you? Like they second guess it. And so what work did you do to get to the point you are now? Because I think it's a dream that I hope every entrepreneur can get to. I think it was, I will give myself some credit because I have done so much work. The last few years have been so challenging for me, just the ego and the control and all of it, all of it. So, so much work. And in the same breath, I think I was also in a place, this has happened multiple times where like, I literally couldn't do anything else. I was at capacity. I was, I was burnt out. I was exhausted. And so maybe things were passed off to the team where I'm like, just do it. Just take full control. Just do it. Cause I can't. And then the beautiful thing was they did it and they did it well, or they did it and they did it better than me. And so it was like this little light bulb went off. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay. That was not the plan. The plan was to get it off my plate because I can't breathe. And they did it better than me. And I wasn't even involved in that. Okay, wait, let me try it again. And so it was like giving them... So it was like a game. Yeah, it was like a game. And then it suddenly was like, okay, this isn't a fluke. This is actually how it's supposed to be. That's awesome. Well, to anyone listening, I hope you can get to this point because it's got to be so much less... It's different stress that you have now, right? But your business has taken off since you've started to release, right? So isn't that interesting that the business is doing better when when you've let go of, of having to do it all? And it's just so much more fun. Like after our last launch, we took the team to Vegas and we were spoiling them. And it's like, they, everyone has ownership in what we're doing and everybody sees the vision and everybody's excited. We do happy hours every month virtually and we have like theme nights and we send them little seamless gift cards and stuff. And team culture is a really big thing for us. And so we're really working on even that. Like, what can we do to make the team feel seen and heard? And someone was sick last week and we sent a green juice to their door, you know, just like little things like that go a really, really long way. And so the more that we've done that stuff, it's also just more fun. It's not just me or Mike and I, you know, building the business or making an impact. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I love that. I guess starting to to kind of wrap up, I mean, you've been in the trenches doing it all, hiring a team. We've already talked about, I mean, you've given them so much advice, but is there any like bow to the present of wrapping up advice you could give an entrepreneur who's thinking about, who maybe is burnt out, right? They're, they don't have time. They need to figure out how to make things easier and delegate and hire a team. Any advice you could give them? I think most often we are the bottleneck. And so if you can just hold the mirror up to yourself and and check in with yourself and be really honest without judgment, without shame, without guilt, just be really honest. Because what happens when you're the bottleneck is you're putting a ceiling on, of course, the income that you can make, but the life that you probably wanted, right? That, That freedom and that autonomy that you got into being your own boss, you wanted to have that. And now you don't because your business is running you. And think about your clients. When you're the bottleneck, what are you holding back from your clients? How many more people could you impact if you just had some help, if you had some systems? What is it doing to the relationships in your life? My parents will kind of bust my chops that I work a lot, but that's saying something. There's truth behind what they're saying and they're only here for so long and we want to have these moments and these memories together. And so I don't take those types of comments lightly anymore. And so... Yeah, I would just say, take a good look at yourself without judgment. You probably are the bottleneck. And what could it look like if you got out of your own way? And when we ask better questions, we get better answers. Tell us, you know, how can listeners follow you? Where can they find more information about how to work with you and learn from you? Give us all the deets. Yeah, 
So come follow me and, and hang out and DM me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. I've got a brand new spanking account. So it is, I am Jessica DeRose. My website is still jessglazer.com. We haven't switched that yet. So just a name swap, but come hang out with me there. And then I believe when this episode is airing, we've got a really, really special free masterclass experience going on in the end of July. So we'll definitely share that link so that everyone can come and hang out with us over there. I'll be teaching all the juicy details for building your online business and where to get started and what that looks like. And if you're interested at all in getting into coaching or building courses, it's definitely for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and more importantly, for being my friend. I know. This has been so fun to do entrepreneurship journey with with people you like. So thank you so much for, for being on the show. So, and thank you all listeners for tuning into this episode of Hiring School. As always, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts. And if you could please rate and review, it will help more people like you find us and get the help and skills that they need to help grow and scale their business. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram with my business, which is People Principles. So thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.